Hello, friends. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Elmwood Baptist Church. We are an independent fundamental Baptist church in Brighton, Colorado. We are so blessed to have you join us today. As we open God's word, I pray that you will be encouraged and strengthened. Our desire is for the world to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and for Christians to grow in an intimate relationship with Jesus and to serve God with their whole life. May God bless you richly as you listen today. Bibles this evening and turn to Proverbs chapter number 30. Proverbs chapter number 30. God's precious word. But you know, beloved, things that are different are not the same. God's precious word is being tampered with. Being tampered with. The devil who is the author of confusion is the one who's behind it all. So now in America, we have over a hundred complete Bibles, and not one of them is the same. Not one of them agrees with the other. And even in the manuscript families, you have the Alexandrian texts, which came out of Egypt, that tells us right away that that's where all the counterfeits came from in the first place. But you know, even even with Sinaiticus and Vaticanus, the two different manuscript families, even amongst those two manuscripts, there were thousands of differences. And uh, so much so that even the Catholic Church took Sinaiticus manuscripts and threw them in the garbage can. And someone retrieved them from the garbage can and the Catholic Church venerated them. Vaticanus has been housed in the Vatican Library for hundreds of years. No one's allowed to see it. That tells you everything you need to know about that. But... uh, Amongst the versions of the Bible, and by the way, all the modern Bibles came from those Catholic text families. Every one of them. But their translation methods are just as varied as the outcome of all these modern versions. And many of these are not translations at all. They're just nothing more than paraphrases. And so we've got a hodgepodge of things out there. And you know what? People have gotten confused. I've had people ask me over the years, well, what is the Word of God? What is the Word of God? Who has the Word of God? Which one is the Word of God? I told you the story about Alex, a friend of mine, when I was pastoring in Florence, Montana, he had a bookstore in Missoula, Montana. It's 20 miles north. Occasionally I'd pop in and uh, this one particular day there was nobody in the store. And I was standing at the counter and Alex was standing there and we were just talking. He asked me a question that, that he probably wished that he wouldn't have asked me and he said, Pastor Randall, what do you think about all this Bible version controversy? I said, well, Alex, to be honest with you, I said, look right behind you. And behind him at the the checkout counter, there, there was all these varying different versions of the Bible all on shelves. And, and beloved, even so much so that even today, now, if you want a King James Bible, in a lot of bookstores, they have to order it in for you. And I said, Alex, I said, Behind you is the controversy. I said, suppose, and I gave him a a hypothetical example. I said, suppose I leave the store, Alex, and I go down the end of the block. There was a little cafe, and they had some cafe tables out in front of it. And uh, suppose I go down there, and 
And I decided, you know, I'm going to have a cup of coffee. And there's a guy sitting there at the table. I ask if I can sit at the table with him. His name is John. And so while John and I are sitting there having coffee, I begin to witness to John. And the Holy Spirit of God brought him under conviction. And John realized he needed to trust Christ as Savior. And so right there, he and I bowed together and prayed. And John accepted Christ as Savior. Well, I said, uh, Alex, as soon as, as soon as I'm done praying with him, I, I tell him, now listen, John, you need to get a Bible. You need to get God's Word. And I said, my friend Alex has a bookstore right down the end of the block. And I said, what I want you to do is I want you to go down the end of the block, go in the store. I want you to ask for Alex. And, and when Alex comes, I want you to tell him, listen, I just prayed with Pastor Randall and accepted the Lord. And he told me to come down here and ask for you and that you would, you would give me a copy of God's Word. I said, Alex, so which one are you going to give me? You see, John's a baby Christian. He doesn't know the argument. All he knows is that Pastor Randall said, you would give me a copy of God's Word. So Alex, which one is God's Word? Because they're not all. In fact, there's not two. There's only one. There's only one for English-speaking people. And, uh, and that's the old King James Bible. 408 years young. And the critics still can't destroy it. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6, and we learned this morning, didn't we? We learned this morning that the preservation of God's Word doesn't have anything to do with man and his great abilities or his desires. Although God uses human instrumentality, it is God who preserved His Word. God promised that He Himself would preserve it. In Proverbs 30 and verse 5 and 6, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Add thou not unto His words, lest He reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. We learned this morning that the very first thing we have to keep in mind when it comes to the, the Bible version controversy is let God be true and every man a liar. That's what God's Word tells us, doesn't it? And, uh, and we also found that the Bible clearly teaches that God has not only the ability to preserve His Word, but that He desired to preserve every word. And that's why we have in, in multiple Gospels that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And if we don't have a Bible that gives us every word, then how in the world are we supposed to live? I promise tonight that we would take a look at some doctrinal differences that are contained in the new translations as opposed to the 408-year-old King James Bible. And so, tonight, one such doctrinal error is found in the mistranslation of Daniel chapter 3, verse 25. Now, if you're quick enough, you can follow right along with me in your Bible if you'd like, but I've put a lot of this on the screen. Daniel chapter 3, and verse 25 in God's Word says, He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now just, I'm not trying to wow you with biblical language, but just so that you know, on occasion you're going to see on the slide, in this particular slide, you'll see the Masoretic Hebrew. And I, I gave those Hebrew symbols for Son of God. And of would have been 
added for readability, but of God. And so it's, it's a word-by-word -word translation of, of the original languages. The Masoretic Hebrew declared that when Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, looked into that furnace, he saw the Son of God. Singular. However, let's look at some of the modern versions and what they did to the Son of God. In the American Standard Version, it tells us, He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the aspect of the fourth is like a son of the gods. They've completely taken away in the American Standard Version of 1901. By the way, that became the foundation text of the new American Standard Version that was later to come, and you'll see some of that. The Son of the Gods completely stripped Jesus Christ away from the deity that exists within. That, my friend, is a major doctrine. Because if Jesus is not the Son of God, he's a liar, and he can't save our souls at all. We come to the modern King James Version, and let's see what that reads. Let's see what that reads. He answered and said, Behold, I see four men loose walking in the middle of the fire, and there is no harm among them. And the form of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Same thing. Shouldn't come as a surprise, though, because it came from the same text family that came out of Egypt and was rejected by the first century early church. Well, let's look, at, let's look some more. The New American Standard Bible, which has been, has, I mean, as I said this morning, this is the Bible of Charles Stanley. This is the Bible, uh, let me see for a second, see if I still have, okay, I do, I still have, I still I guess I don't. Sorry. Thought I still had that on my on my on my pad. But this is the Bible of Charles Stanley. This is the Bible of of uh, of so many notable individuals, many of which are on on radio, many of which have their own television ministries, all of which put out study Bibles in their name. And of course the study Bibles are, are in various different versions. They wouldn't use the King James. Why? Because there is no copyright on the King James text. So they couldn't make money on it. Publishers can't make money just on the text of the King James. I can take my King James Bible and I can go upstairs on our copier and I can make a million copies of the text of this Bible and hand them out to everybody but if I copy one page of the New American Standard, the NIV, or any of the rest of them, I go to jail for copyright infringement. Or at least I get heavily fined. You see, it's a money-making thing. I said that this morning. They want you to buy every new Bible that comes out. This one, of course, is the latest and the greatest. Well, the New American Standard has been a standard for a long time. But what, what does it say? What does it say? He answered and said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. One of the disgusting things about this particular version is the fact that prominent individuals like Swindoll, and Stanley and others years ago in their ministries only used the King James Bible. And they changed for some reason. It wasn't for scholarship. It was for money. 
and that's sad. Well, it doesn't stop there because we can look at the New International Version, one of the most popular Bibles that there is. And what does it say? He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. See how they add words even amongst their own modern translations? They are unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. So far, we've trampled all over the deity of Jesus Christ. So let's continue on. The New Revised Standard Version came out in 1989. Very popular. By the way, the New Revised Standard Version, as I understand it now, is, has morphed into another translation, which is called the ESV, the English Standard Version. That version is fast becoming the most popular Bible in America. All it is is the New Revised Standard Version dressed up. Well, what does it say? He replied, But I see four men unbound, walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the fourth has the appearance of a God. The New American Standard. And then next, we look at a Bible from the mid-60s called the Bible in Basic English. Not super, uh, super uh, popular today, but it was back then. And it says, and he, made, and he made answer and said, Look, I see four men loose walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not damaged. And the form of the fourth is like a son of the gods. There we have it again. Now let's look at the Revised Standard Version. This is the original Bible that came out. This was the National Council of Churches flagship Bible, 1973. He answered and said, he answered, but I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Now somebody quickly argue and say, well, listen, the gist of the verse uh, is telling the same story as the King James is. No, it isn't. No, it isn't at all. And the worst part of it is, is that it stripped Jesus Christ of his deity. Now we don't have the Son of God that is standing with the three Hebrew children in the furnace of fire. When your furnace of fire comes, do you want just a God with you? Uh, just any God will do? Or do you want the Son of God to be with you? Well, the Revised Standard Version didn't get us there either, did it? But here's something that might surprise you. This is also the translation of the New World Translation of the Jehovah's Witnesses. He was answering and saying, Look, I am beholding four able-bodied men walking about free in the midst of the fire, and there is no hurt to them. And the appearance of the fourth one is resembling a son of the gods. And so, beloved, what we have is very interesting and I find real incredible that all of the modern versions, by the way, I could have went down the whole list and they would have said exactly the same thing. All these modern versions agree with the New World Translation, which is the Bible of one of the biggest cults in the world, the Jehovah's Witnesses. It's also interesting that they call Jesus a God rather than the God. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it shouldn't surprise us, because the New World Translation, uh, it, it, took, uh, it took the first verse of John 1 and said, in the beginning the Word was, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. That, my friend, is not what John 1, 1 says. Oh, in the beginning 
In, the, in fact, turn over there. I don't want you to stay in, John, in Proverbs 30. Just turn over to John's Gospel real quick. I want you to see. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And drop down to verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Who was that? And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That was the glory that we came short of in Romans chapter 6, verse, or Romans chapter 3, verse 23. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God was Jesus. We don't measure up. You want to get to heaven on your own goodness? You have to be just as good as that means everybody has failed. But you know, the Word was not only in the beginning with God, but it says the Word, in other words, Jesus, was God. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God the Father is spirit, the Bible tells us. Philip asked, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Jesus said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Couldn't be any more clear than in John 10, 30, where the Bible says, Jesus speaking, I and my Father are one. And so, beloved, the Jehovah's Witnesses are, are so, so far away from who Jesus Christ really is that there is no way in the world that any real Christian would want anything to do with their doctrine. But it's surprising. If you're here tonight with a modern Bible, you're already learning something. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 25 isn't the only place, <laughs> isn't the only place where the devil has gotten his fingers into this. By the way, this service would have to be about 10 hours long for me to go through every single verse, and then I still wouldn't get it done. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep you here any more than four hours. So, do the new translations affect any other doctrine other than the deity of Christ, maybe? And by the way, false Bibles always teach false doctrines. They always do. So I want to make some more comparisons. There's over 40 differences between the received text and the other text families, of, as I've mentioned, which involve some real major portions of our Christian faith. These differences include omissions of portions of verses or containing a statement expressing at some point that doctrine uh, was substituted with other words or phrases or completely eliminated. I find it a little frightening when man has taken it upon himself to be so superior in his intellect that he knows what to take out of God's Word that we desperately need. About one half of these differences relate to the attributes and the work of Jesus Christ and the deity of Jesus Christ. So imagine that quarter of them relate to the basis and nature of our salvation. Boy, I don't want anybody messing around with my salvation. For example, we come to verse or slide 11. The King James states in Mark chapter 10 and verse 24, and it says, And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? Now you see on the screen, I, I gave to you the Textus Receptus Greek. And so that you could see that it was an individual 
translation, you can see that each Greek word uh, is, is there for the English translation. It includes the phrase, and that's the phrase, trust in riches. Trust in riches. Well, you know something? That's, uh, that's important. That gives us the whole context of the verse. So let's look at the NIV. The NIV says the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Oh, okay. Well, let's look at the Revised Standard Version. And it says, And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Well, the Revised Standard Version uh, had it wrong. Let's, let's see if they got it right in the New Revised Standard Version. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Well, they had it all wrong, but the New American Standard Version of the Bible is going to have it right. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Oh, well, they had it all wrong. Let's, let's see what the Jehovah's Witnesses have. But the disciples gave way to surprise at his words. In response, Jesus again said to them, Children, how difficult a thing it is to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, but I'll tell you something. Each verse omitted that trust in riches. That omission does not just leave out Jesus and his explanation as to why it was hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. But what it does is it creates a false doctrine. It falsely changes the doctrine of salvation and declares that getting saved is hard. Jesus said, except you come as a little child, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. If a little child can get saved, my friend, What's so hard about it? Oh, I'll tell you something. The devil loves this. He loves this. The thing that's disgusting is that there's men who know better, who get up in front of people, huge crowds of people, every single week, and preach messages and teach messages out of corrupt Bibles. And people just drink at that trough not trusting whether or not that's God's Word, but just trusting the man. Can I say it again? Let God be true and every man a liar. Man has to be proven. God's Word is already proven. King James states in Mark chapter 15 and verse 58, or 28, I'm sorry, and the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Now the Textus Receptus, it, cor it correctly refers to Isaiah 53.12, which reads, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now this, this particular passage of Scripture is, a, is a, a, a restatement in the New Testament of what God said in Isaiah 53.12. But how did the other versions uh, render this? The NIV removed it. The RSV removed it. 
The New Revised Standard removed it. And the Jehovah's Witnesses removed it. You know, the omission of Mark chapter 15, verse 28, denies the messianic doctrine that was declared by Isaiah the prophet that Jesus Christ was the Old Testament fulfillment of the Messiah. Man, I'm telling you, again, Jesus Christ is the one who gets axed from the new versions. By the way, uh, as I mentioned before, I could put up I could put up all the new versions and we wouldn't see anything different. Because they all, listen, someone explained it to me this way years ago. Said, you know, if you have a, if you have a, 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 a sheet of paper and has something on it, you take it up and put it on a copy machine and push copy, and what's going to come out is exactly what you put on the machine. So if you put on something that's corrupt, The copies that come out are not going to be pure. They're going to be corrupt. When you start with a corrupt text, you're going to end up with corrupt translations. That's what's going on. So we come to where the King James talks about Romans chapter 14, verse 10. And our Bible states, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now the Greek textus receptus, commonly referred to as the received text, he tells us who is on the judgment seat. It is the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. But notice what the other versions do. We come to the NIV. And it says, You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Well, let's look at the Revised Standard Version. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or... You, why do you despise your brother? For we all, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. We're not done. The New Revised Standard Version. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? That's interesting. We've got to get sis in there now. Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. You know, in, in uh, this passage that we find in the New American Standard Version, let me quickly add, the New American Standard Version was an excellent word-for-word -word translation of the wrong text. That's why there's a lot of notable people that use it. It's unfortunate, however, that they didn't do their homework as to where the text came from. Again, you're only going to get off the copy machine what you put on the copy machine. Junk in, junk out. That's the way it is. So the New American Standard Bible, it says, But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again... Why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. Let's look at the Jehovah's Witnesses. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you also look down on your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. Now, you know, listen, beloved. Our text puts God, or their I should say their text puts God instead of Christ, which is absolute false doctrine. 
The New Testament clearly teaches in 17 separate verses that all judgment has been committed from the Father to the Son, Jesus Christ. We have these, and I know you can't necessarily see these, pretty small, but just a, a, a composite of, of a few verses. John chapter 5, verse 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. John 5, 27. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. John 3.35, The Father loveth the Son, and have given all things into his hand. Acts 17.31, Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Uh, the only one that meets that qualification is Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 2, verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. 2 Timothy 4, 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and kingdom. Another false doctrine. Another slam against the deity of Jesus Christ. By the way, when you're approached by a Mormon or you're approached by a Jehovah's Witness, the question is not going to be whether or not they're Mormon or whether or not they're Jehovah's Witness. The question is going to be, what did you do with Jesus Christ? The question is going to be, who is Jesus Christ? And if the answer is not that Jesus Christ is God the Son and the Son of God, then, dear friend, uh, you're, you're talking to a cult. And they will never confess Jesus as God. Never. It's part of their doctrine, just like they did here. So we come to another passage. Are you getting bored yet? In Acts chapter 8 and verse 37, the King James Bible says, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, I want you to notice with me how this is rendered in all the other verses, uh, all the other translations. been said by new evangelicals that the Bible never gives definite instructions concerning as to when or why a person should be baptized. Well, I guess not because the verse that gives the requirement, that verse, they've removed. They've, they've taken it out. The requirements for Christian baptism, they've omitted in the in the modern Bibles. The entire context of Acts 8, 36-38 says, And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. By the way, it also tells us how Bible baptism takes place. You have to go down into the water, and you have to picture the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. Pretty hard to do that in a cup. Pretty hard to do that when, when we're just sprinkling the little tinkle of water. In fact, can I just can I just say that the only thing that gets baptized in a sprinkling service is the fingers of the preacher. Another false doctrine. 
another false doctrine. We see in John, 1 John chapter 5, 7, King James Bible says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Now I want you to notice how the other versions have it. So in the NIV it says, For there are three that testify. Okay, well, we don't know who those are. The Revised Standard Version says, and the Spirit is the witness, because the Spirit is the truth. The New Revised Standard Version didn't do any better, for there are three that testify. Okay. The New American Standard Version. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is the truth. But what the Jehovah's Witnesses for there are three witness bearers. So it's obvious that the doctrine of the Trinity has been destroyed in the modern translations of what they call the Bible. This doctrine, by the way, concerning God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is the very cornerstone of the doctrine of Christian faith. Three persons of one God. Genesis said, let us make man in our image. So guess what? You're a body, you're a soul, and you're a spirit. Three in like the Trinity of God. Made in God's image. And that's what we refer to as the Trinity. In the, in the, where am I? Oh, here we are. I find it, I want to stay with my notes, I, I find it disturbing, don't you, that the New World Translation of the Jehovah's Witnesses agree with these modern versions of the Bible. How many knew that before you walked in here tonight? I'll tell you something, beloved. If Pastor Randall were to get up in this pulpit and preach from the New World Translation next Sunday, people would call me a heretic. They'd say, Pastor Randall's preaching false doctrine. They'd say, Pastor Randall is preaching from a Bible that is used in a cult. And they would rightly fire Pastor Randall and find a new pastor. Sadly, people see nothing wrong with listening to a man or now even women. Women pastors. By the way, if you want to find out whether that's biblical, go on elmwoodbaptist.org and look for answers from the Bible. And you'll find out that Women pastors are nowhere to be seen in God's Word. Sadly, though, people, they'll listen to these people which agree with the New World Translation. They agree with the Jehovah's Witnesses. We come to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. God is not the one who offers confusion. The newer versions have caused confusion. Someone rightly said, a man that has on two wristwatches never really knows what time it is. It's true. It's true. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that things that are different cannot possibly be the same. These newer versions, they've created confusion. The most deceptive 
is the new King James. Oh, Thomas Nelson. Thomas Nelson Publishers really pulled a fast one over the populace. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't changed any doctrine. We just, we just, uh, we just went through and changed some of those archaic words like lasciviousness and, and things like that. But we didn't change any doctrine. We didn't take anything out. We didn't put anything in. Mm, okay. I'm not even going to ask who has a new King James Version. They pulled a fast one on the people because they were able to use KJV. And they just put new in front of it, and everybody said, wow. I, I get to have my old King James Bible, and I get to have it corrected so that I don't have to worry about these long words that nobody can understand anymore. Let God be true, and every man a liar. And I'm sorry for the sake of millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars on the sale of the new King James. Thomas Nelson laughed all the way to the bank. The New King James removes Lord 66 times. You really want a Bible that removes Lord? Removes God 51 times. I thought the Bible, I thought God said in Revelation 22 not to take away from His Word. Removes heaven 50 times. Thomas Nelson said they didn't remove anything. They even removed the devil 81 times. That probably ticked him off. Removed hell 22 times. Removed the blood 23 times. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Removed salvation twice. In just the New Testament alone, the New King James Version removes 2,289 words that are in your King James Bible. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I think we ought to have a Bible that has every word, don't you? The New King James Version, it changes words within it. And this is beyond those that they have completely removed. Makes over 100,000 word changes in the Scripture. And that was even though Thomas Nelson Publishers told everybody, Nothing's been changed. Nothing's been changed. They were liars. They were liars who fraudulently took good Christian people's money on a lie. That's disgusting. But here we are, and it's undeniable. And I could go on till midnight. And we could go through many more translations of the Bible. But you're not going to find any difference. Why? Because they were all translated from the corrupt, corrupt texts in the very beginning. So, beloved, there we have it. Why is, why is this... By the way, some of you may wonder why this has changed. The old Bible that we had sitting there is up in my office. It, too, was a replica of the 1611 King James. 
just as this one is. But that one that's up in my office also contained the apocryphal books. That's acceptable for the Catholic Church, but it's not acceptable, was not acceptable for the first century church, of which, of which the Apostle John was still a member. He had first-hand knowledge what was supposed to be in the Bible. And so, I hunted and hunted. And by the way, it wasn't easy. Until I finally found a replica of the 1611 without the apocryphal books. And uh, purchased it, put it on the stand. You say, well, why is it, why is it so prominently displayed? Because this church is foundationed on God's holy word. As I said this morning, God has elevated the importance of his word. He has, he has revered his word so much more that he has lifted it above his own name. The word of God is not something to be played with. The Word of God is not like the novel you just finished day before yesterday. It's not like any other book you and I are ever going to come across. You can read the Bible from cover to cover a thousand times, and on the very next time you read it, you're going to find something new that you never saw before. Why? Because it's the living Word of God. It's living because God lives. And it's never going to be dead. It's already, it's already sealed in heaven. It's not going to go away. If the Lord tarries a thousand years, you and I will be long gone through the valley of the shadow of death and gone on to glory. But if Jesus doesn't come back for a thousand years, His Word will still be here. His Word will still be here. Oh, and I'm sure, honestly, within a thousand years, there has to be probably a thousand more versions of the Bible. Sadly, it almost... Sadly, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm being a little bit sarcastic, but... It upsets me that people get duped into what I call the Bible of the month club. Trying to look for the next best. Listen, friends, listen to me closely. Studying the Word of God isn't the easiest thing I do. Praying is not the easiest thing I do. But the disciples in Acts 6, told the other, the apostles told the other disciples there in the early church when there was a problem with the ministration of the ministry. They put, they put, they said, look you out. They, 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 that's where we get deacons. The word deacon means table servant. said, you, you, you be about that business. You can look it up, Acts 6. We must give ourselves to prayer and the Word. Those were the two most important things that the apostles did. It wasn't because they were lazy. And listen to me. Studying the Word of God takes time. Sometimes it's exhausting. Any preacher will tell you that. It takes hours, and uh, and listen, I'm not looking for sympathy. I love my calling. But it takes hours and hours to prepare sermons. Studying the Word of God is is what it has to has to be. You have to spend time in the Word. But listen. That's not just for Pastor Randall or Pastor Knutson or Pastor Lehman or Pastor whoever. That's also for you. 
If life is so busy that you don't have time to spend in God's Word and actually learn the Word of God, then you're busier, friend, than God ever intended you to be. And maybe you better look into why you're so busy that God's Word is taking a back seat to things. I mentioned it this morning. I don't say it with glee. I don't. Sadly, the reason why our nation's going to hell in a handbasket is because we don't have the same quality of Christian that we had a century ago. We have instead the most biblically illiterate generation that probably has ever lived. We have a master club program here. And that whole program is, is focused on, on getting the Word of God into young, impressionable lives. I love the master club program. I've had it. I've had it. I had it in my church in Montana. It was our Sunday school. kids, they earn badges. You've all seen it, or many of you. Brother Kevin be the first one to stand up and testify. These kids, to get through that entire Master Club program, those kids literally have to put through, I don't know, Brother Josh, you were commander too, what, am I making it up that they have to have even thousands of verses to get through the whole program? A lot. <laughs> well, there is. I mean, uh, maybe, I, maybe I'm a bit high, but I'll tell you something. There's, there's over 31,000 verses in the, in the King James. So if I say 1,000 verses, that's 131st part of it. So I hope those kids, when they're adults, are still hungry to get into the Bible, still hungry to, to memorize it. Because I'll tell you something. See these kids getting the earning these badges. Man, it kind of challenges you. It kind of puts you to shame at the same time. Because what have I done? So the Bible you have in your lap, if it's a King James Bible, hang on to it. If it's not, hopefully you have a bird cage somewhere. Someone asked me, though, seriously, and I'll close the service, because I don't even know how to give an invitation for this. Someone asked me, well, Pastor, what do I do with this other version of the Bible that someone very dear to me gave to me? And I understand sentiment. I do. And I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, do, do I have some other versions of the Bible at home in my study? I do. A couple of them. I use them like I use any other commentary that I go to. And as a commentary, sometimes, sometimes they do shed a little light on a passage. I can't tell you how many times I have I, I mean, a, a score of times at least I have, I have led folks who uh, have come from another do denomination and their denomination holds to a certain Bible. I keep their Bible up in my office. And I've led them to Christ right out of their own Bible. And they didn't even know those verses were there. Well, if you've got one of those Bibles, maybe you can use it as a commentary. I'm not telling you to throw away your prized gift, but I'm telling you, don't ever call it God's Word. Because it's not. And get yourself, I'm not trying to sell Bibles tonight, but if you don't got one, Thank you.
thank you for listening to our sermons from Elmwood Baptist Church. If you like our ministry and want to know more, check out our website at www.elmwoodbaptist.org. Or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next time as we continue to study God's Word and grow in His grace. God bless you, my friends.